1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm Sebastian Orton, your Swede. With me, Elliot Niblock, your Yank. And uh, we're going to talk some Champions League here today and then take a look ahead at what's in store for us as we are coming up on Match Day 14 in the Premier League. It's uh, I keep saying this, but it's going by so quickly.
0: Yeah, there it is. We're getting old, Seb. We're getting old.
1: Well, does that mean that times move faster?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, do you remember when you were a child, like, waiting for Christmas or your birthday? and It was like you thought that the three months away was like an eternity. And even a month was like, well, it might as well just never come.
1: Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, I feel like this whole year has gone by fairly quickly. We're less than a month out from Christmas month and a couple of days away from the new year which means january transfer window oh Oh, yeah silly season light yeah we're gonna do a uh some more silly season coverage as we get closer of course as the rumors are starting to spin up which is which is nice i like it i like it a lot but for now champions league and um Really, I don't want to talk too much about what went on this match week. I think it's more important to talk about the horrible scenes that went on in the meeting between AEK Athens and Ajax as the uh, Greek fans threw Molotov cocktails against the visiting fans.
0: Now, it looks like there was only one Molotov cocktail. That's one too many. You know how many, many two, yeah, I was going to say, you know how many, there's too many in a stadium? Yeah. And this is what blows me away. Oh, poor choice of words. Yes. That, so, they've been charged, AEK has been charged with seven incidents. Mm. Crowd disturbances, throwing of objects, setting off fireworks, field invasion, insufficient organization, displaying illicit banner. And blocking stairways. If you look at some of these photographs, no, like uh, setting off a Maltov cocktail, a G, even just merely adjacent to, like they could have horrifically, not merely injured but killed someone.
1: Yeah, I think and eleven fans were injured uh, last time I checked.
0: Yeah, these these charges are woefully insufficient. I mean, this is, but this is terrorism. I, I think that it is not even a little bit an exaggeration to call it that.
1: No, it, it, it's extremely, extremely uh, important that UEFA takes a very hard stance, I guess, against this. I wouldn't, you know, I feel like they should, they could very easily be barred from playing in Europe. Or if they, they, or if they get to play, then it's going to be a, in front of an empty crowd, like no crowd. Empty stadium.
0: They should be barred. They should be barred, for, either barred from Europe or barred from playing matches in front of Flans, home or away, in Europe for at least a season. Probably longer. And, I mean, this is... This is something that I think is just completely, completely irresponsible if FIFA treats it as anything less than... Terrorism, because that's what it is. When there is a group that you have a tribal mentality that you see as against you, which is the case in sports, let's be honest about it. It's in many people view it as sublimated warfare, and I think that it can and often is more than that. And I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't believe it could transcend merely being that. But there is that aspect to it, and if you see a rival group, and you set off a bomb next to them that's terrorism
1: yeah i feel like that's taking it a little bit too far <laughs> yeah yeah to put it you know to put it lightly that's taking it way too far i'm you know i'm all for if you want to sh- chant back and forth or whatever or you don't like him you know i don't support violence in any form no. uh, but throwing a petrol bomb is definitely taking it way too far
0: No, I mean, and I... And I mean,
1: what do you you hope to achieve here? (sighs) Like I'm amazed that the game was even played.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't have been. You know, it shouldn't have been. And... Except a bomb went off in the stadium. A bomb went off in the stadium. And I know that a Molotov cocktail is... It's not a pipe bomb, but it is an an improvised explosion device mm-hmm. it is an IED you know and that acronym applies to it and yep. i think that this is an egregious offense that needs to be that needs to be handled that way now i don't i don't have much faith in fifa that they'll actually do that but this is this is an act of terrorism by one supporters group against another and it is unconscionable
1: yeah yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, the second big incident that we've had uh, this past week. We saw the second leg between Boca Juniors and River Plate in the Copa Libertadores final. That got pushed because someone thought it was a good idea to throw rocks at the uh, Boca Juniors bus. And then the police thought it was an even better idea to start tear gassing people. Yeah. And then that tear gas got into the bus. Um, so it looks here, um, that from what I can read from the latest here, it looks like that second leg might even be played outside of Argentina. Uh, the sun is... I think
0: they should forfeit it. I don't, I don't care. Oh, let's see here.
1: The sun is saying that it's going to be played at Qatar's Khalifa International Stadium in Doha on oh December eighth, which yeah, is FIFA, which you is uh, over eight thousand miles away from Buenos Aires. <laughs> God. Yeah, so not not the best week here for uh, <laughs> for football. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: and if you want, you know, if you want an answer for why I have no faith in FIFA handling this situation in greece with anything like dignity or a plum it is precisely that we're gonna have the match outside of <laughs> we're gonna have the match not merely outside of the country but outside of south america entirely where are we gonna have it it's not gonna be the azteca it's not gonna be the united states it's gonna be across an ocean because they bribed us the most money in the recent
1: past. Yeah. I mean it makes a little bit of sense because you do have the uh, FIFA World Club World Cup uh, which starts just uh, four days later in Abu Dhabi
0: I you perhaps you are a less cynical man than I am but I I'm I'm not buying it yeah. <laughs> I am selling. Hard yep. sell.
1: Yeah, but definitely a tough, tough week there. The game between uh, AEK Athens and Ajax uh, ended in a 2-0 win for the visitors. Uh, Dusan Tadic with both goals. Former Southampton player Dusan Tadic. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a weird one. That did secure Ajax's uh, spot in the next round, though. Right now we have 12 out of the 16 teams um, ready for the round of 16. Uh, from Group A, we got Atletico Madrid and Borussia Dortmund. From Group B, we have Barcelona. Uh, no one from Group C yet. And then uh, we got Porto and Schalke from Group D. Uh, Porto, the winners, Schalke runners-up. Ajax Bayern Munich from Group E. Um, no order there yet. Man City, they've clinched a spot, uh, and then Group G, Real Madrid, the winners. Roma, second place, and then Group H, Juventus and Manchester United have this
0: the secured
1: the secured a spot. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it here and actually, what went down in the other games on the pitch, real quick. Yeah, let's start with United. So a one and nothing win at home against the young boys of Burn. Myron Fellini, late, you know, last second winner, almost. Um, horrible game, absolutely horrible game, and then United squeeze it out thanks to Fellini, which is, you know, of course, why isn't it Fellini?
0: Uh, why always me?
1: Yeah, and I mean, really the. The thing that I, you know, I feel like a broken record, but it, it's the same thing here. The upper management should see this, see this game, and see how poorly they played, and say this is not good enough. It doesn't matter that you won the game because it was an well, awful. But
0: it does, though, from the financial perspective, yeah. they get so much cash for the
1: next round. Yeah, yeah. Mourinho went all bananas, uh, threw some water bottles and stuff. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, and he didn't just like pick them up one by one through a whole crate of them. It was yep. a Costco water bottle throw.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's shameful. But they are through. So uh, we'll just have to see if it's as group winners or as runners-up. Uh, Juventus took a one nothing win over Valencia. So it's... Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there in that group Um Spurs took a one nothing win over Inter, a must-win for them. So right now they're in second place. Uh, they do take on uh, Barcelona in their next game, or the last group stage game, whereas Inter plays PSV Eindhoven. So uh, another must-win for Spurs. They basically have to uh, go for the win there against Barcelona because they can't count on Eindhoven taking points off of Inter.
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, Eindhoven's got a single point from the group stage. Inter Milan are going to go into that guns blazing. Yeah, they're at home, too. And you've got to to bet on Inter to advance. You know, I'm sorry, but even a Barcelona side that has already secured qualification is going to be a tough ask. And you're playing... At Camp New, that's always a difficult place to go into and get points from, even if they're playing not the actual quote unquote Barcelona B, but the B squad for the senior team. This is this is an uphill battle for Spurs. But but all that said, even though I think Inter are rightful favorites to go through at this stage, if Tottenham, if Tottenham can qualify, then I think that has to be a huge boon and a lot of momentum. And if you are a Spurs fan, you have to take that as a large positive going into the knockout rounds, even though you've got that last significant hill yet to climb.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of squad that Barcelona actually puts on the field in that last game because they've already secured first place in the group. Um, and like you said, although it's never easy to go to Camp Nou, we'll see how long it will be called Camp Nou. Apparently, Barcelona are in uh, some discussions here with a couple of different companies of selling the naming rights for the arena.
0: The Qatar Airways Chevrolet
1: Bank of America Arena. No, uh, at least they're talking to Cat- Catalan companies. There's yeah, one. Uh, yeah, I was
0: gonna say it's not gonna be Bank of America.
1: No, I think there was one pharmaceutical company, maybe, and then some media outlet. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they've already uh, sold their jerseys off. I mean, they kept that for a long time with no commercials on yeah. the jerseys.
0: Yeah, the UNICEF thing was pretty phenomenal. But, you know.
1: And then after that, it's sold no more, out. So, yep. yeah, we
0: don't have to respect it anymore because it's not the case.
1: That's true. That's true. Uh, other English teams. Liverpool, they lost all three away games after falling 2-1 to one on the road against PSG. So they lost all three away games in the group. First time ever.
0: Yeah, I still don't know that I don't know that we have to be too concerned about Liverpool. That because, you know, I, I think that they are going to be stronger in the Premier League if they fail to qualify. But of course, nobody, you know, no season ticket holder at Anfield is going to be <laughs> stayed by that.
1: No. But um, a, m- a must win for their for them in their last game at home against Napoli.
0: Oh, 100%. Um, but they're also. But they're going to be really hard done by in terms of the fact that Napoli are in first with nine, as opposed to PSG in second with eight points. Yep. I mean, like as I was just saying, that Tottenham face an uphill battle. Liverpool's is that much steeper. Manchester City should be cheering very hard for Liverpool to qualify.
1: Oh, you think that that would help them in the league race? Absolutely. Hmm?
0: How could it not? I All mean, right. you're that much fresher. You're that much more focused. Yeah. And I think pretty obviously the number one rival for City, an underdog, but nonetheless, the real rival for City not winning the Premier League is Liverpool. And if Liverpool don't have the Champions League to contend with, If I'm Jurgen Klopp and we drop into the Europa League, I treat it like the League Cup. I say, you know what? If we win it, that's great. But it is not the priority. It is not even the second priority. And we go for it in the league and we keep our players fresh. And City are deep enough and strong enough that it might not matter. But if I am... a season ticket holder at the Etihad, I really hope that Liverpool will go through.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, we could see a scenario here, too, if, Red, let's say, Red Star pull out another rabbit out of their hat and beat PSG. And Liverpool fail to beat Napoli. We could see Liverpool end at the bottom of the group. And then yeah, they don't have to worry about the Europa League.
0: Yeah, but... Uh, but <laughs> That's a big... I if. mean, yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I don't... They're
0: still going to field a strong side and play with the desperation of a knockout match when they go into that last group stage game. I mean, even though, as I just said, I think that it would be better for their Premier League hopes if they didn't have Europe to contend with. Of course, everybody... You're in the Champions League. You want to win the Champions League. Go
1: for it. Yeah. No, absolutely true. Manchester City, they got a uh, 2-2 draw on the road against Lyon. But they're still sitting pretty at the number one spot in Group F. They topped the group with 10 points. Then it's Lyon in second with 7 points. and Shakhtar Donetsk with 5 points. And Hoffenheim with 3 points. And City take on Hoffenheim in the last group stage game.
0: Yeah, they are... And again, even though, of course, from the privileged perspective of a Manchester City supporter in November of 2018, I think that it is rightful that they would want Liverpool to stay in Europe just to remain a bit of, you know, like keep the fixture list clogged in the spring, keep some fatigue in the squad. Nonetheless, they'll be glad that they themselves are going through, despite the clogging of that fixture list because this is a team that could win the Champions League.
1: Yep, that's true. I mean, it's a little bit of a shame that it's only one group that is, you know, being decided on the last, last day of group stage fixtures.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think that that's one of the arguments for the kind of pan European Super League or whatever they're calling it. Um, of yeah, course, please, the strongest please. argument for that is just dollars yeah, and euros Yeah, let's, let's
1: not pounds. do that. No. It's, uh, it's bad enough that we're going to get another tournament under the Europa League.
0: Yeah. The Johnston's Paint Trophy of Europe. Yep. That's I, very, very I, I don't know. It's probably got a different sponsor now besides Johnston's Paint. I'm Maybe Maybe. showing how long in the tooth I am with that one. Yeah, we'll we'll
1: do some digging there. Uh, Let's move over to the Premier League here and Match Week 14. Uh, We got one game kicking off on Friday. That's uh, Cardiff against Wolves. So you can enjoy that at 3 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. Hooray. Uh, Hooray. (laughs) Hooray. Hooray. No, I mean, it's uh, perhaps not the sexiest of fixtures, but it's still uh, still a Premier League game, so I'll still watch, even though it's between two teams that are in pretty iffy form. Uh, Wolves, they got one draw and four losses in their last five league games after suffering a 2-0 defeat at home against Huddersfield in their last game, whereas Cardiff picked up two wins in their last five but they're also coming off a loss as they dropped all points in a 1-0 defeat against Everton.
0: The thing is that this has got that feel to me of the kind of game that we poo-poo and then it ends up being a 3-3 thriller. I hope so.
1: I hope so. I hope we're wrong. I really want this game to be good since it's the only game on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, the only game in town. Hopefully it's uh, worthy of the town.
1: Yep. Uh, Then Saturday we got a uh, decent slate of games here. Crystal Palace, Burnley, Huddersfield, Brighton, Leicester, Watford. Those are all on NBC Sports Gold. Then on uh, regular TV, you can watch Manchester City take on Bournemouth. Newcastle, West Ham is also on NBC Sports Gold. All those games kick off at 10 a.m. And then you got Southampton against Manchester United at twelve thirty, and seeing how poor United were against Crystal Palace last weekend, scoreless draw. Um, Victor Lindelof, United's best player in that game, got injured, uh, hamstring in or was it in the hamstring or was it? no, it was his uh, groin, groin injuries. So he'll he'll be gone for at least three weeks which uh, it's a shame because even though he's been getting a lot of, a lot of shit from Manchester United supporters, he's been their best central defender.
0: Well, they've, they've just been woeful in general. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's an old, it's just the case that if you are a goal scorer, you get more plaudits than defenders. And if your team is struggling, then, often they become scapegoats a little bit more quickly because it's easier to remember those phenomenal wonder goals than it is to remember the handful of tackles and last-ditch clearances that make up a clean sheet.
1: No, that's absolutely true. Uh, Southampton sitting in the drop zone right now, 18th place. They got three draws and two losses in their last five league games. They're coming off a 3-2 loss on the road against Fulham. I mean, I I say this is a game that United should win, but I have no idea what's going to happen in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a game they should win, but I also think that you're right to have some some reservations about it. Uh, And and I think that, well, no, I mean, we rightfully... did and needed to talk about the events in Greece first and foremost in terms of the Champions League this week. But what happened on the pitch, With were it not for that last-ditch Fellaini goal, what would be the narrative? Once again, it would be Mourinho in the hot seat. Well, how long is he going to keep this job? And he's just barely clinging to life in that point, point. and I'm not going to be picking United to be winning away fixtures until we see Paul Pogba commanding games, Marcus Rashford and Lukaku scoring goals, the way we all know that those three players can fulfill those roles. But we haven't seen it underneath Mourinho for a while.
1: No, and I mean, it's, you know, David De Gea coming up big time and time again. Yeah. Uh, Reports that they're closing in on a new contract, by the way. Um, I saw some figure got thrown out here today on social media was three hundred thousand a week. That and would
0: be a steal. That's
1: <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, pay the man, just pay him. Do that right yeah. now. Um because for the you know one of the best goalkeepers in the world that, that's not that's not bad at all. That's not no, bad at that's all. That's
0: nothing. Mesut Ozil was on the bench last week and he's making that plus fifty thousand. Yep. So, no, yeah, for David De Gea, I would be, if I were you, uh, granted, you know, it's him coming out of my pocket, but as though I had 400 grand to begin with, but 400,000 a week would not be unreasonable for the greatest goalkeeper in the game right now.
1: No, and how, I mean, seeing how important he is for this team, too, there's basically, unless he asks for, like, 800.
0: Ah. Oh. Yeah, but
1: there's a pretty big. He can get a large chunk of money here.
0: Yeah, I mean, five hundred thousand would be a little excessive, but not unthinkable. No, and because I
1: mean, he could still just point at, look at my body of work, look at what I've done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a pretty good highlight reel. He can show up if he if he needs to. so we'll see how much they end up settling for there, but it seems like he will be staying at Old Trafford, which is very good news. So uh, hopefully that will get done here sooner rather than later. Sunday, we got a early kickoff, 7 a.m., a little nice London derby, Chelsea huh. against Fulham.
0: I mean, I know you're being chronological, but you're yep. burying I the know. lead there. Like.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, we got two of them, which is nice. Uh, as uh, nine oh five, for some reason, I'm assuming TV. Uh, we got Arsenal against Spurs.
0: Yeah, uh, this is this is where Unai Emery is to be judged, and we got an ugly two one win away from home. Regardless of what happens in Ukraine, if the game is even played in the Ukraine, in the Europa League, the, like these are the fixtures on which he is judged, right? Because we talked, we've heard so much, and even talked a bit about the "quote unquote" power shift in North London. And I've said on this show a number of times this season that, yeah, it is true. Spurs are rightful favorites, but you are playing at home. Against your arch rival, against whom you have phenomenal historical success. And the weight of history is a real thing in football. I mean, there's a reason why clubs taunt one another about their history or lack thereof. And even though Manchester City are a world class squad who should rightfully be considered favorites for at least the Premier League, if not even maybe front runners based on their form this year for the Champions League as well. There is the historical weight of old Trafford behind the Manchester United crest. And that's something that carries a lot. And that's true in North London with Arsenal. You are expected to beat Tottenham at home. Yeah. And I know that like the quality of squads, the form all of that comes into play. I think that this game, a realistic prediction, 1-1 draw, maybe 2-2 draw. But the supporters expect you to beat Spurs at home when you are in charge of Arsenal Football Club. And I think that's fair. I think that's a fair expectation for Unai Emery. And
1: yeah, and it seems pretty clear that he has his eyes set on that game as he's bringing 12 academy players uh, to the Ukraine.
0: Yeah, that's and that's absolutely the right choice. I think that that when I saw that squad released today, the traveling squad for uh, the Europa League, that was really heartening because it means that he gets he gets it that this is I mean and, and this is not that surprising right This is a guy who's in charge of Atletico Madrid, like he gets that that derby is what makes the season almost as much as the table after the last final whistle in May. Yeah. And of course it's not reducible to that. You know, you beat Spurs twice and you end up in 12th place, you're still going to probably get fired. But the emotions run high. Football is about emotion. Again, you know, I spoke earlier in the context of the horrific acts in Athens about the worst of football. At its best, you know, it raises our... It raises us up to... A level of joy that was not that's just like not possible in many contexts unless you give yourself over to something that you have no control over and that's what happens when you are a football supporter so I, I appreciate that he has an, uh, himself an appreciation for the gravity of this match sadly based on the squads and the form themselves I think a 2-2 draw is probably the best we can hope for no I should say the best we can hope for a realistic expectation, but, you know, I live in hope.
1: Yep, I mean, all, all three games on Sunday are, are derbies. We also got the Merseyside derby between Liverpool and Everton. That kicks off at 11.15. So, uh, you know, Sunday should shape up to be uh, very, very good. So you get three games back to back to back, and they should all be good. And I hope that they're all good. For Everton, this is a big game.
0: Yeah, huge game for Everton. I mean, I think that they have a, a sneaky shot at pressing the top five. You know, they're they're yeah. they're definitely on the outside looking in, but they're sitting ahead of Man U, and not merely ahead of Man U, but they've got six goals over Manchester United, who have a negative goal difference. Yeah, Starting thank thank
1: th- thank you for reminding me of that.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Seth. No. I don't, I don't uh, need to dig
1: too hard. No, I know. Everton moved up to sixth place after their one nothing win over Cardiff last weekend. Um, so yeah, this is a big, big game for them playing away against Liverpool, crosstown rivals, and all that that entails. Um, so hopefully that will be a good one as well, and no no clashes between fans. Hopefully um yeah. although they of course don't really like each other which is you know understandable but overall it looks like it's shaping up to be a very nice weekend in the premier league a lot of good games on slate um and that's sunday i mean really you get up 6:45 and then you can watch football for 6 hours straight <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to save myself for the London derby to be honest, but that's it's going to be a nervy
1: affair and It'd be or nice. It would be nice, you know, I get up and then it's like, okay, don't talk to me for 6 hours. Okay, good. So, uh yeah, good things to look forward to there. We're going to wrap things up as always. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keats was better and then give one yank one sweet a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.
0: 18 plus.